another episode of Gaijin a Go-Go. You know what I love the most about doing a podcast? It's just how much fun I get to have doing it. And uh, this whole jumping over me and cutting off the intro bit's been fun, but these guys forgot I'm the motherfucking editor. Welcome to Gaijin a Go-Go. These two fucks don't matter, but I'm JD. And thanks for having me on, guys. I, I, I just... <laughs> Honestly, you know, this whole podcast thing is really fun. Yeah, it is. I mean, shit, we're even fucking recording two days in a row on this. Oh, we're going to be recording three days. God bless. No, no we're we'll doing tomorrow. No, we're doing Sunday, too. Yeah. Anyway, that's like three that's days. Technical jargon. Whatever. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you guys having me on to talk about the uh, Great Muda. No, we figured it's only appropriate now that he's been inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, you know, for all of that rich history he had over there working with Vince. (laughs) Yeah, he really sold a lot of pay-per-views back in the day, didn't he? Yeah, he got one over on Liger, too, didn't he? He had a more extensive career working for Vince than Liger did. They used to call that man Mr. Backlash. <laughs> but we figured it's appropriate to do a great Muda career retrospective, kind of breaking down the different periods of Great Muda as well as some of our favorite matches. So, Jake, go ahead and start us off with just a few of the stats that Great Muda or KG Muto has achieved so far in his career. I mean... The man worked for All Japan, New Japan, Pro Wrestling Noah. You know, he did Florida. He did Continental. He worked for Jim Crockett and WCW. Like, started Wrestle 1 until it went out of business. He did TNA. He wrestled for the Colognes in uh, Puerto Rico. I mean, he's how many matches a year that he had for Uncle Dave? Only one? No. Really? Right. Only one. It was a uh, 2001 against uh, Junichiro Tenryu in the uh, Togo, Tokyo Dome. Oh, I actually. That is actually a really fucking good match. That's it is. For that boy. And he got most improved wrestler and wrestler of the year that year. Interesting that it was that kind of deep into it that he would get most improved. Yeah, all the way in 2001. Like, I always figured he was like low-key the MVP in New Japan when he was there. He was always having those solid little matches, but that didn't matter who you put him in there with. Especially with his NWO Japan era or Team 2000, which is one of my <laughs> favorites yeah i totally forgot that he was in fucking uh nwo new japan or whatever oh yeah him and his boy masahiro chono that's his best friend i just think though with that it it is kind of forgettable because like he didn't really make him what two appearances on american television and nwo they made him he made a few, like him and Chono tagged. It a few wasn't times. a lot. No. But also, 
the NWO Japan stuff specifically, you got to think how much did they really even run with that though on yeah, WWE? Yeah, he couldn't be away from Japan very long because it was a, you know, it was a pretty hot storyline in New Japan, just like it was here. So that they, they just fly him in for a spot and then he'd go back home. Him and Chono both were too big at the time to pull away for more than like a week or two at a time. Yeah. Because I feel like they got even less screen time than even the one of their favorite punching bags, the LWO. <laughs> it always pissed me off, though, that the, the guys from New Japan that were in the NWO got the B-team music. Yeah, they should have just given them the rights to Chono's music. Yeah, I mean, come on. Fun fact, though, when... <laughs> The Great Muta was in NWO Japan, and in Keiji Muto wasn't. Until eventually he did himself join. But like, it was so funny. He put the face paint on. Oh, he's in the NWO, and then he takes face paint off. He's like, not. I mean, it's clearly a different entity. I feel like especially as we've seen in the later stages of Muta's career, it's clearly like some werewolf shit. It's very much the same thing, like, what they do with Finn and the demon nowadays. It's like he'd bust uh, out Muda if it was a really serious fucking match. Kind of, because I feel like Muda would still do random shit, but it would, I feel like it differed on company to company until he started becoming truly like Grandpa Muda. That's yeah. when he would only bust it out for big matches or if Tajiri was involved. Mm, love me some Tajiri. I like me some tadgers too. Like, there's another one to put over with Muda. Like, just the the sheer number of people that that guy like inspired over the years. Like, like Tajiri and fucking Asuka and and stuff like that. Like, people have been knocking Muda off for years. Like, everybody that does a moonsault owes Muda. I really feel like a lot of American. Um, stuff with like the pageantry like he does with his entrances and stuff like that was is really a testament to how much you really we take away from Muda. He was like the first guy in Japan that really got those like big entrances. Yeah. He was definitely one of them just because I mean he had that big aura because most top guys before just had the I might point my finger at the sky once but I'm just going to kind of walk out kind of disheveledly to the ring yep. like if you look at Inoki's entrances, Hashimoto Giant Baba Yeah it was more on the commentary to put over the fact that the, oh this is a big deal but like Muda's got a match in the Tokyo Dome and he's got, you know, he's being lowered in from the ceiling or he's got like an army of fucking dudes running down the fucking ramp with him or. Or he was a fucking genie. Yeah, yeah, or he's a That's genie. That's the coolest entrance in the history of wrestling. I think so, that is one of my favorite um, Muda entrances is the genie one. That for was those, for Hustle, wasn't it? Was it Hustle? I thought it was Wrestle One. I think, no, I think it was before Wrestle One. It may have been Hustle. You, you're probably right, but for those who don't know, the best entrance for Muda is, wasn't it actually Tajiri who threw down the little grenade? 
No, it was some other dude, and he was like rubbing the little fucking lamp, and then he throws it down, and then it, like a bunch of smoke comes out of the stage, and then it comes down, and Mood is standing there, and he like missed the shit out of the guy, and it just walks to the ring. Dude, it's a cartoonish amount of smoke. Yeah, it is a crazy amount of smoke. Muda once impregnated a lady with his poison mist. That's a thing that happened. I mean, <laughs> who hasn't? <laughs> yeah, when I, I throw my mist out there, it happens, man. I mean, that's the risk you have to take with misting. Always uh, miss wear protection when misting. Well, I was wearing my armor. <laughs> yeah, you were. <laughs> <coughs> so Muda's also, he's worked just about everywhere. He's held nearly every belt you can hold within Japan. I mean, he's held top gold in the three top current. Japanese companies, even though he hasn't held the best belt, the KOD Openweight Championship. So, he ain't shit till he unretires and conquers DDT. And does some... They got hella old people. Well, I mean, he... Did he do work for DDT? Um, he probably has had an odd match at some point there, but... Yeah. I know he hasn't held any belts over there. And where was he in like time frame wise on the uh the super triple crown of having the all Japan triple crown, the new Japan or the IWGP heavyweight title and the no heavyweight title? Uh so he didn't hold the Noah during that, but I'm he did hold the triple crown and IWGP at the same time. Yeah. Was he didn't win. That was like one of his last championship wins. Like but I mean, like years. he wasn't the first one to do it. Like he was like at least up. second or third. I believe he was the first to do IWGP and Triple Count at the same time. But I want to say he had one as Mudo and the other as Muda. Hmm. Now he he ended up doing them. Both as as himself. If I remember right. Because I know I've seen pictures of him as Muda and as himself with the Triple Crown. But I don't think he did them both at the same time. And he was one of the first guys to win the all three. Um, He's either first or second. He's, I think Kojima beat him by a, a year, maybe. Yeah, Kojima, I believe, had already done it prior because he had already held the... Or actually, no, I think Kojima didn't do that until recently. Oh. Oh, the HC heavyweight run from uh, last year was his first. Okay. But he had held the NWA world title, so it kind of sort of counted. That's right, because they, they, yeah, Muda ended up with it after the Shane Douglas throwing it down thing, and then they had the tournament in Japan, and I think Chono got it, and then Muda beat Chono. Yes, at a WCW Chono. show. 
Um, and the mood have dropped it to very Wyndham. The greatest the world. Barry Wyndham? Yes. The wind man himself. <laughs> so, Shane, tell, since you are the guest, tell us which is your favorite Muda era. Whether it be Grandpa Muda, OG painted Muda, or once he switched over to the mask. Um... Probably painted Muda. Just because I, like, growing up, and I know this is going to sound so bad. Uh, I was a big Sting fan. Like, Surfer Sting. I loved that guy. And only when I was an adult and actually met him, I was like, ah, oh, this dude's a dick. But, <laughs> you know, they say, you know, don't fucking meet your heroes. And, and I wish I would have listened. But, like, I idolized Sting and just seeing Sting and Muda and shit wrestle two painted dudes out there fucking beating the shit out of each other. Loved it. I mean, cause as a kid, you're looking at those guys and it's like, Oh, these guys are superheroes. So yeah, definitely painted Muda for me. Um, for me, it's, I have a soft spot for the mask Muda. I think it looks more spooky than the face paint. The face paint is, You'll get the best Muda matches, but it the look is less, I don't know, I guess believable for me to believe in like this crazy mystique that he's a weird monster man. Well, and also, too, I'm a big fan of like Japanese art and paintings and kabuki masks and shit like that. And like the way he would paint his face also, too, reminds me of like certain demons in these stories that they tell and draw and all this stuff. So um, same thing with Asuka. She, she translates her face paint from old stories, childhood stories and stuff like that too. And here I thought it was just, she liked spooky clowns. I know. I'm, I'm going with face paint Muda too. Cause like, I grew up in, in California, and we didn't get TBS out there. So all I had was the Fed to watch wrestling. And then when we moved back here in the early 90s, that's all my grandpa would watch was WCW. He didn't want to watch that phony New York bullshit, what he said. <laughs> and that's like the first time I ever fucking saw Mood. I was like, the fuck is this? Like, Vince doesn't have anybody like that. And I don't know, like, and now knowing more about Japanese culture than I do, like, even then I was like, what is like some ghost man, some monster man from out in the woods, this crazy bastard with his big headdress, and then he pulls it off and he's got crazy face paint on. And, and it always just makes me think of those, like, the, the Japanese folklore about, like, the onryos and, and shit, like, and you do that with like because they didn't explain his fucking gimmick here outside of like in the 80s when he was doing it. And it was like, oh, he's the son of the great Kabuki. So like you just kind of fill it in the gaps in in your head. And that was always what I got from him. He was just this fucking like mythical, mystical fucking being. And he comes Richard flying out of the fucking woods to beat the shit out of people as he sees fit. 
And I mean, that entrance garb was the best. Like the ship with the, so the shoulder dragon or the big fucking skull headdress or the the fucking one where he came out and he looked, he had like the buffalo skull and he had the fucking Indian headdress on and shit. That one fucking. Mantor? What? No. <laughs> like when, that was when Vince ordered Vader off Wish. No, that was Great Muda. No. Fuck Vader. That's why. Oh. Still not over that one, are you? No. I'm not. Shane doesn't like Vader. We'll, we'll talk about it all, off. Off this. Okay. So, I don't know. I feel like all that's left really for us to talk about is sharing around the campfire our favorite Great Muda matches. Well, fuck it. I'll go first, then. You go first, Jake. Mine was, and I'll have to look up the date for it. But, uh, you can find this one readily on, on Peacock. It's a match from WCW Saturday Night. They gave this away on free television. It was a two out of three falls match between Muda and Brad Armstrong. And Jesus, fuck, this match is so good. If you can ignore Ricky Rackton being on commentary. Like, I will tell people about this match. Anybody that will listen, I'll tell them about how good this match is. Like, I love it. Like, Brad Armstrong's probably close to cracking my top ten because of this match. And just like Brad was great, great. Oh yeah. Overall, he's Armstrong. definitely the the best Armstrong. Yeah. Hands down. Fucking Brian couldn't have had a fucking match like that with Muda. <laughs> Bob maybe, but like I no, absolutely not. Brad would fucking did everything he could in that fucking match. Muda just had a great fucking time. Muda wins the thing in two straight falls, but they went like 30 minutes. And such a good match. Like, for real, go look that shit up. I don't remember what date it is, and I think they've only got the one year's worth of Saturday night on Peacock, but it's so, so, so good. Then you get Jim Ross calling some, some Muda, and he always did Muda the most justice. I don't know. Jim Ross with any of the Japanese wrestlers always just, you can tell he's trying his hardest. Like yeah, because he called those New Japan pay-per-views in the last few years. Those weren't so good, but yes. He, he was trying. <laughs> I love Jim Ross, though. I don't know. He's definitely gotten got some questionable lines, but overall, he's fun. He definitely feels more like a character than a commentator. Yeah, you can really uh, contribute that, though, to Attitude Error. Yeah. Oh, I found it. It's the May 30th, 1992 episode of WCW Saturday Night in Brad Mooder in the main. Chef's Kiss. It's a good match. Mine would probably have to be the 95 G1 Climax Finals with Mudo and Hashimoto. That one's good, yeah. That one is so fucking good. I'm a sucker for Shinya Hashimoto. 
I think that, I don't know, a lot of people now, I feel like, regard him as some big shit, but I feel like there was a good period where people tried to write him off. But this was also the only time that Muda ever won the G1 Climax. Are you sure? I thought he won more than one. Yeah, um, let's see. Because I know Chono won like, fuck, I don't know, like 12 of them. <laughs> you say G1? Yeah, G1. Yeah. Yeah, he's only won it once, but he's won Tag League like three times. Oh, yeah. He was like Tag Specialist. Like, he won the fucking Tag League with Chono, he and with Chono and Hashimoto, with, I think, and then with Scott Hase. Norton. Scott Norton? Scott Norton's that dude. Damn, I love me some Scott Norton now. Flash. But that might have been in Japan. Already earlier in the year, they had fought and Muto beat him for the IWGP belt in a really fucking good match. And I don't know, this is one of the matches where I love Muda's performance in it, but I wanted him to lose the whole match. <laughs> but Wasn't that the year he he uh, vacated the title to put it up in the G1? Yeah. Yeah. And then ended up winning the fucking G1 anyway. <laughs> I don't know, it's one of those things that by that point, Mudo had already done some pretty fucking big astronomical shit, and Hashimoto, I feel like, was only really starting to get that momentum rolling with how long it does take to get the ball rolling on someone in New Japan. Yeah. But special guest Shane, what is your favorite Mudo match? It's going to be the TV title match from '89. Uh, Get Sting. Yep, I thought so. It's such a good match. Like even the finish, you know, where his fucking manager fucking throws Sting over, blah blah blah. He's about that was the double pin finish, correct? Uh, they did the fucking. Uh, Fucking, he hit the moonsault, Sting had the knees up, fucking shot him in the corner, Stinger Splash, he's going to go for the fucking tin punch. Muda's manager fucking got up there and pushed Sting off. Disqualification, man. Mm. That must have been their rematch then. I was thinking the one where Sting was TV champion and they did the, like, I think Sting hits a German. And they counted both of their shoulders down, and Muda just took the belt and left. And they were just like, I guess Muda's the champion now. <laughs> and then Muda held the belt until I think Arn beat him for it. No, that, that I think this one is the rematch then. Okay. Because the finish is a fucking DQ. Was there two rings? No. Okay, then it was the rematch then. And it was uh, Sting had the lime green on. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Did that's, a, that's a good match. Show? Do what? Did he do that, Jake, at a war game show? 
Mm-hmm. Because they did the spot where Sting was in one ring and Muda was in the other, and Sting ran and Suicide dives over the top into the other ring on the Muda. I believe that's how they started the match. That's fun. I feel like any show, like any time they do war games and they have the two rings, they need to make them start in separate rings. Yeah. I'm with it. Shane, did you ever see the, um, speaking of Muda and Sting, the one they did a, uh, they called it Starcade in Tokyo Dome. It wasn't a Starcade show. Uh, Arcade and Tokyo Dome show. Yeah. <laughs> it was It was technically, it would have been what is now Wrestle Kingdom because it was on January 4th. And it was a WCW and, and New Japan joint produced show, but Sting and Muda wrestled in it. Is that the and one where uh, Sting comes out in black? No, Sting comes out in the American flag stuff. Oh, okay. And it was like, I would say that's the only time that Muda ever pinned Sting clean. But the finish was Sting comes in for the fucking Stinger Splash and Muda mists him. And then moves, and then Sting ain't shit, and then he rolls him up and pins him. But it was like, holy fuck, he actually pinned him, you know. That's a good match, too. Are you insinuating that using the mist isn't a clean finish? It's an organic part of his body that he produces. That's right, because the Japanese all have that gland in their throats that uh, the rest of the world doesn't have. No, just Muda, because he's a spooky monster. Hmm. You know, they never called the mist a, uh, a DQ in Japan. Like, he just missed people. They're like, oh, whatever. It was only a DQ in the States. Because See, I don't understand how he wrestled for the NWA. What? With their rules. Because technically, judo and shit in the mm-hmm. NWA rules is illegal. Throws? Like, judo throws, I think, any kind of... Uh, like karate chop kick things, stuff like that. I think they did a thing when he first came in to where they were saying a lot of that stuff was illegal, but like somehow Gary Hart being the fucking master manipulator he was, was able to skirt the rules, like in storyline, you know, was able oh. to skirt the rules or something. And it well, got that explains heat. it. Yeah. And it got moved to heat because he, because Gary Hart had managed Kabuki. And it was the same shit. And he was just doing it with Muda the same way. And it was a cool way for him to get heat. Until he started getting over with fans. And then wanted to turn him babyface. And Gary Hart was like, brother, it'll kill your career. You can't let him turn your babyface. And then Muda was like, oh, okay. And then he fucked back off to Japan. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. They were wanting to turn, they wanted to make Muda babyface world champion. And Gary Hart was like, no. <laughs> because then Gary Hart would have been without anybody. Like, there, there went his fucking, the majority of the reason he was over. I mean, not everyone can be as over as both Muda and as Mr. 1999. Can we talk about how the fucking NWA did Muda dirty, though, that time at, um, was it Starcade 89 or 90, where they did the um, the Iron Man round robin tournament, and Muda had to eat four fucking losses, and then coming into the show, he was technically undefeated. 
That was another I mean, reason he said, fuck you, I'm leaving. That was definitely during the point when they were just like, yeah, we'll let your guys come over, but they're fucking dorks to us. Well, I mean, he was he came into that show undefeated. And I think that was when they were like, oh, we're going to turn you babyface. And then he nixed that because Gary Hart told him not to. And then he was like, I'm just going to go home. And then they were like, cool, you're losing to everybody now. Yeah, that's I mean, kind of fucked up. I, that's fucked up, but I understand that wrestling promoters be petty. Yeah. That they do. Well, booking that tournament gimmick the way they did it, too, because they did it with the tags, too. And I remember listening to the Cornette's podcast, and he was like, this is a stupid idea because somebody's going to have to eat four losses in one night, and they're going to look like shit because of it. Also, on top of having to work four times in one fucking night. Yeah, that sounds like shit. Yeah, and he was like, well, because he was on the booking team at the time, he was like, well, I guess the fucking Midnight's will lose everything because you're not getting anybody else to fucking lose them all. And he was like, and then poor Muda got fucked on that deal because he was the one that had to eat four fucking losses. At least one of them was a DQ. Like, I think he lost the Luger by DQ because he's the mist, but fuck likes Luger. Yeah, but also how he had not even those mystic powers could have survived that iron forearm. Iron claw. Bionic forearm. Oh. Or no, bionic forearm. Or, <laughs> or that selling. Ha! But who else was in that tournament? Um, the singles tournament was Flair, Sting, Luger, and Muda. I mean, that's a kind of fucking star-studded-ass lineup, though. Yeah. You really expect them to put him over, or for them to put Muda over Sting or Flair at the time? And I think that whole thing was just a vehicle to push Luger, if I remember right. Somebody that's more up on... NWA history, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the whole thing was designed to get Luger over. I mean, he needed a lot of fucking help. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you got three guys that could have helped him. You know, his best buddy, you know, and Flair, and then fucking Muda who could get a fucking broom over if he had to. His other best buddy. Woo! Well, Shane, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap things up? No, I think we've covered it. Um, it's actually been fun conversation um, talking to you guys about the great Muda. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Well, everybody, thanks for listening and catch us eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we're just we're a special little sideshow we do shit when we want jd doesn't have any jurisdiction over us on this one <laughs> the real podcast as we like to call it yeah <laughs> the real podcast that needed me to step in and do their intro this is what our second episode yes you can show think cool fw illuminati and we gave we gave muda all the flowers
because he damn well deserved. Yeah, I really wish we would have talked about the fucking show, though, because you guys made me watch fucking 20 hours of wrestling. Yeah, well. That in a couple days on our next episode. Eventually. I'm going to set aside five hours to sit through five hours of Noah. Will did that to me with Wrestle Kingdom. I had to fucking slog through that. Yeah, but Wrestle Kingdom was great, and you loved it. I, I loved Master Watto is what I loved. <laughs> and you loved Omega and Osprey. I did not. He did. Don't you be spreading that absurd rumor around, neither. You loved it. And give it a couple call. years, we'll be doing a career retrospective on Master Watto. Ooh. <laughs> That's my dude right now. <clears throat> Every, anyway, everyone, thank you for listening to us. Shane, what do they need to do? Uh, watch five hours of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs>